from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 133. Today's show is brought to you very kindly by FreshBooks, Eero, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hey, Jason Snell. Hey, Mike Hurley. How are you? Good. I went all ascent on the end of that introduction there. I decided to just keep it going, keep that... Uh, I keep appreciate your commit. <laughs> I appreciate your communication skills, Mike Hurley! Anytime, Jason Snell. So how All is right. it going over there in California today, Mrs. Snell? Well, f- you know, a little foggy. Mm-hmm. It's like a, just, a, just a spring, like er- early spring day, basically. And uh, going fine, going good. Kids are at school, upgrade is on, everything's right with the world. I had lunch with a friend of mine uh, a couple of days ago, and they're an Upgrade listener, and they were mentioning how the beginning of the episode always makes them laugh, just as it tends to be something along the lines of either me or you talking about the weather or making yep. a comment about how Upgrade is the start of the week. Yep. Every time. It's, it's like It's like we've become our, our uh, yeah, it's become our thing, I guess. Because you, you ask me, like, how is it going over there? And I'm like, uh, I have a window I can look out and see. And the answer is uh, light gray today. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I'll tell you what. Here is a, here is a thought here. We have a, an army of Upgradians out there in the, in the world. Who we do. Who are full of creative ideas. So maybe we should petition the Upgradians to tweet at me and you for suggestions on how we can mix up our little preamble before the follow-up, like our, our little opening section here, our introduction to the show. Maybe we can get some suggestions on people, some little uh, quick little icebreakers or something that me and you can do to begin the episode every oh, yeah. week. Great idea. So you can tweet at me or Jason. The welcome, the welcome message of the, of the week. Yeah. I so instead of saying, how's it going over there, you can mm-hmm. say... I give you a little something question else? or something, you know, and All then right. you answer that question. That's that's a interesting. Good one. Send me questions uh, at imike i m y k e that I can ask Jason every Monday morning, and that can be a way for us to start off the show in the future. Beautiful. So let's get into follow up. Uh, in Ask Upgrade last week, we uh, fielded a question from Robbie who asked about how to clean his nylon Apple Watch band, and I suggested soap and a sponge, of course, Robbie. But apparently, Robbie wrote in. As requested to let us know how his cleaning process went. Apparently, Apple support documentations, because of course I should have thought of this. There is a K-Base article on how to clean of watch straps. There is. Mm-hmm. Uh, their documents recommend using a lightly dampened lint-free cloth, as I'm sure Come only on. exists in the white world of Johnny Ive in his white room. And didn't uh, Robbie say that he knew for a fact that a damp lint-free cloth would not solve his horrendously dirtied I think band? so. I, I, I think, think so. so. But he sent me the link because it says categorically not to use soap in that document. Uh, however... <laughs> Robbie wrote in this morning to let me know that he put his band in the washing machine and it came out fine. So do whatever you want, I guess. I'm not entirely sure that that knowledge base document has been updated to detail the um, nylon band. Right, because they've got a leather section, and then they say everything else do this. But like the nylon band is such a different material to the sport. Band. And yeah, it totally worked for Robbie. I I don't think I would put it in the washing machine. No, because I feel like it might get uh, kind of w- more worn and distorted in the yep. washing machine. But I I would think like you would take a wool sweater or or something like that where you you take it to the sink and use soap and scrub it a little bit and let it dry. And I think that would probably be that's my gut feeling is that would probably be the the gentlest way to do it. 
So, but uh, yeah, yeah, like um, the, the if you were to take a sport band, the obviously the way to to clean it is just to wipe it, right? Because it's rubber, you can just just wipe anything off with a lightly dampened cloth. But that's not how the nylon ones would work. I agree. I don't think it's been updated. So come on, Apple, update the K base. Uh, Twitterific funded, and it hit the $100,000 stretch goal. This was something that me and you have been talking about a bunch over the last couple of weeks. I was unsure as to whether the campaign would fund. It did fund. Um, I was one of the people that did what you said would happen, which is how these things usually tend to go. When it looked like it was going to hit the 100, I think it was something like 99,000 or something, I backed because I am interested in this application as long as it has the features that I wanted, which were all behind the um, the $100,000 stretch goal mostly. Right. And it did fund. I am pleased that it funded. Of course. Why would I not be pleased? You put a hmm in the document here. Jason was yeah, well, right, I, of course. I, I think it's Jason was right. It's like, Jason Mike was pleased, right, for sure. I'm, like, I'm not sure you're pleased that I was right, but I was, I, oh, like okay. I said two weeks ago, that uh, weird things happen when Kickstarters approach their end. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was pretty sure you that they would very, fund. You were and very they, confident. And they might hit. I thought that it was pretty likely they'd hit the stretch goal, and and that it totally ha- it was it was dramatic. Also, something that I didn't remember, I had already noticed, but I didn't mention because I wasn't thinking of it while we recorded two weeks ago. Which was I noted that John Gruber had not posted about it a daring fireball yet. And here's a thing that I've noticed, and I haven't talked to John about this, but. The impression I get is John Gruber really likes, and he says it in his write-ups, he really likes having Daring Fireball readers put Kickstarters over the top. So all of those, like the two, three weeks that Twitterific Kickstarter was going on, he didn't say a word about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, he totally knew about it. It's a thing that he cares about. And I'm sitting there going, so Gruber didn't write about this. It's like, that's the answer, right? Is John wants to be the one who comes in and goes, boom, it's funded. And that's totally what happened. Shining armor. Uh And that's totally what happened. I mean, he, he, he posted it right before they hit their goal. And, yeah. and push them over. So that's and uh, quite honestly, that's a, not a bad strategy, right? To to keep your uh, to keep your audience in reserve for that moment when they need an extra boost when it's say, know, though, three weeks in. Don't don't, don't discount the upgradients, you know. Oh, I I know we I think we helped it get it uh, get it close. I think so. I think that the upgradients out there probably did help. Um, yeah, yeah I, I say like in in general, of course, with the hashtag was right. Uh, the people uh, we like to be right like I like to be right you like to be right but this isn't something that I would have been happy to be right about like if it didn't sure. hit the, the stretch goal you've just been skeptical about, about I it which, yeah, uh, I have but now I'm pleased yeah. I've, I bought in I've got the level that has stickers of course because I want stickers um, and I'm I'm curious to see how this uh, project continues uh, maybe over the next year or so. I think they're looking to ship the the first beta this year. So be curious to see how that goes along. And, and, and I'm also interested to see if and how they use the uh, Kickstarter update functionality, to, if they're going to let people in on the kind of the progression of the application. That'd be kind of nice. So uh, We spoke a lot last week about windowing um, on iOS. And uh, Gary wrote in to remind us of an app called Moom. And I had this in my head but I don't know why I didn't bring it up. Moom is an application for the Mac, which allows you to take windows and kind of snap them into corners and yeah. give them assigned sizes. And this is very similar to the type of thing that I'm looking and hoping for um, on iOS in the future when it comes to some kind of uh, application management. I'm, I'm trying to steer away from calling it window management. Uh, because <laughs> if I call it window management, I'm saying that there's windows, so I'm calling it application management. 
Yes, the application view tiles or whatever you uh-huh. want to call. Yes, I, I know the reason that I didn't think of it is we weren't talking about the Mac. I mean, yeah. that's it's yes, yeah. there are lots there are uh, there are probably a dozen different mm-hmm. kind of window managers for the Mac out there. I did a search this morning. I was looking. Uh, somebody else recommended a different one that I'd never heard of. And now I can't find that recommendation. Is it called anywhere, Vive? But, uh, I don't think so. But there, there's okay. a lot of them out there. And yeah. Moom is Moom is great. It's for many tricks. It's short for move and zoom. Uh, and that's what that. it does is it, it lets you set the. Yeah, I mean, it's very clever for the Mac. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea is is for Apple to come up with something that's fairly intuitive that lets you kind of manage where your apps go on a on a, uh, a screen, especially if it's a larger iOS device. And and there are a lot of examples, and Moom is a good one of uh, ways to do this. Windows obviously has its snapping stuff too that, you know, that are application placement tools that make that easier without it being a super complicated, multi-layered window that we think of for like Mac stuff today where I've got, like I have right now actually, where I've got different windows and, you know, the one in the front is covering up three other windows partially, but that are behind them. Uh, Stephen Newton is the pure definition of a model upgradian. Yes. He sent in a picture of a record player attached to an iPod Hi-Fi. See, we can all get along. Yep, perfect. <laughs> he has a very special setup, to Stephen. Yep. So thank you, Stephen, for sending that in. This is uh, we, we were talking about. What? Well, how did this even come up last week? Can you remember? We were, oh, talk, I, well, we were talking about old hardware or something. In, old, in yeah, I think that was it. I think it was old tech, and you talked about how you had a record player, and I mentioned yeah. that I still use an iPod Hi-Fi just as my external speaker. And then somebody called me a hipster, and it's like, no, I don't think that's how... I think using old tech that you have around because it still works uh, is as unhip as it gets. No. If I bought an iPod Hi-Fi at the thrift store and then placed it prominently with an iPod in the dock playing music, hipster no, music, uh, that would be hipstery. Th- there is a... Hip- I'm not... Okay, I will not call you a hipster here, Jason. Uh, but I will say that there is there is an element of hipsterness, which would be to continue using something after everybody stopped as kind of like oh. a look how special I am kind of thing. See, I don't agree. I think hipsters I think hipsters get the stuff after people have stopped using it in order to be new and different. That is definitely a bigger trend. The, well, you're thinking of cheap people. Cheap <laughs> people keep using old things because mm-hmm. they still work even though they're old and uncool and they risk mockery by mentioning that they still use them. That's okay. th- those people are called cheap people because I could totally buy a modern speaker and hook it up to my iMac, but why? I have this dumb iPod Hi-Fi that works fine with the aux port, so I'm just cheap. Apple's stock is currently at an all-time high, so or it has at least hit it. Uh, I don't. I actually haven't looked at what it is today. I'll take a look at that in a moment. But it's great news Friday, for us, Mike, as, yeah. as huge Apple investors that we are not. Uh, oh, right? well, speak. For, no, I'm not. I, uh, I, I'm not. Actually, it's, it's a, an, another all-time high. It's uh, <laughs> the, the article written on Friday um, was that there was an all-time high of one hundred and forty-one dollars and two and sixty-nine cents. So $140.69 was where it closed at trading on Thursday, March 16th. That was an all-time high, which beat the previous all-time high, which was set two days earlier. Um, Right now, Apple stock is at $141.15 a share. I mean, we'll see where it goes by the end of trading today, but it's it's higher than that even. So this is interesting um, as to why it's 
doing this right now. Because, I mean, me and you have been talking about how there isn't really anything happening right now. There's there's no products being announced. There's no news. We're in a quiet period. Yep. What's going on? Are they... I mean, I assume, my assumption is they are riding the last quarterly results, which were very good, and there's also a wave of anticipation for products? I guess. I mean, this is the, the problem is that, that the stock market is not always logical, and it is based on future prediction, right? Yeah. The, yep. the, the past results are not are already built into the stock, so it's all about future prediction. So it must be... Uh, it's people feeling the stock is undervalued, people feeling that the stock is a better bet than other places for them to put their money, that Apple is, going, is, is much more likely to do well in the long run. It's anticipation and rumors. It is. It is about like the new iPhone and getting excited about that and you know other, other rumors about what they're doing and, and a feeling of confidence in Apple. But some of it, I think, is... You know, the market is is interesting. It's not always logical. And uh, for people who care like we do, who care much more about the products than we care about it as an investment opportunity. And there are people out there who are very smart people. I'm sure there are people who listen to this show who really care are Apple investors and they care about what Apple's doing because they're thinking about Apple as an investment. It's just not how I approach it. It's not how most of the people we know approach this because we don't, you know, we're not... We're not in it to cover Apple as a stock. We're in it to cover Apple as a as a company that makes interesting products that we like to use, and um and so for me, you know, it's it's always a little bit baffling about about how this works because the market's perception of Apple is often quite different, um and and this just to make sure we can ring the bell that we've once again mentioned ATP. You know, last week's ATP at one point it was it was uh you know there was a, a a rant. Marco went off on a rant a little bit, and at some point John Syracuse said, you know, nobody's nobody's going to be called to task for Apple not putting out a new Mac Pro if the stock's at an all time high. And there's some truth to that, that like, you know, you have to balance the way we view Apple, which is from a user's perspective, and the way the market views Apple. I'm not saying that Apple internal management doesn't have issues with some of the stuff that's been going on and that people might be called to account for it if they are seen to be poor performers. I don't really know that. Uh, what What I am saying is total different perspective if you're an investor looking at Apple and Apple's potential and if you're a grumpy Mac user who has seen, you know, the latest you know, the last year of Mac releases from Apple. Yeah, it's just, I I think it puts things into a strange perspective, right? Like, I guess the company has to and does pay attention to both of these things, you know, like the the happiness of their most enthusiastic users and also their investors because they're both important. Um, I can't say who's more important. I don't know, honestly. Like, you can make arguments for both. Um, but to us, obviously, our needs and our desires are more important than anything else. But, but I just think, yeah, but I just think it's it's interesting to see that, like, at a time where the Apple enthusiast media is saying that Apple is currently a little bit boring because they're not doing anything, right? At least they're not doing the things that we want them to do that seem so obvious that they should be doing that the stock market is like, yeah, <laughs> this is great, you know? And it's just, it's very, it's just a strange, like, juxtaposition to see these two things happening at the same time. Yeah, and and of course, the reality is that you can't, if you wait to, if you wait to change the direction of your company based on uh, feedback, like, it, it, 
Steve Jobs actually, I think, really managed this way, which was never be comfortable, always be thinking about the next thing is. And I hope Apple continues to have that culture that Steve Jobs put inside of Apple, because this is a great example where it would be very easy to say, look how much money we make from the iPhone. It's one of the most successful commercial products in existence. Look at how great we're doing on on the stock market. Everything is great. And the danger is if you look at those and say everything's fine and don't make changes, what's happening potentially is that what's happening inside Apple and and its processes are are not doing as well. And by the time that's visible to the outside world and they start to take some hits, it's you know, it's there's so much lag time that it's going to be years before they can turn it around and they're going to go through many more hard times. So I hope that Apple's culture remains such that they can look at the big stock price and they can look at the uh, at the great iPhone sales every single quarter and say, yeah, but if we if we stop here, we have not done our jobs and you know and use that that their net worth which has just gone up because all these people have apple stock options uh, as part of their compensation uh use it as a motivation to do the next great thing instead of viewing you know basically status quo is fine because we're doing great yeah it's just it was just something that i saw the article go by and i was like wow that's it's very strange isn't it funny it's it's, it's certainly quite quite a contrast from the yeah. grumpiness of uh, but like I said, I think, you know, I think Mac users especially have reason to be grumpy and it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, let's be honest, Apple would probably not get hit much, if at all, in the stock price if Apple said, we're abandoning the Mac and focusing entirely on the iPhone. Yeah, because the iPhone up, is so right? incredibly popular. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so incredibly popular. I don't think they're going to do that, but like the market doesn't care about the Mac users, right? Yeah. They yeah, care yeah. about the big picture and the iPhone is really the big picture and the future. Uh, the iPhone and then belief in Apple's internal genius to create new product categories. And some of that, you know, that's a bet. That's where the future bet comes in, which is whether it's car or it's Mark Herman had a report out today about uh, augmented reality down the road for Apple. Like whatever future bets they're making, part of what's built into the stock price is a belief that Apple will have more things and they will continue to do well with new things. Uh, maintaining the Mac base while important to us and important to people i would say within apple to a certain degree at least is not what they care about this week's episode is brought to you by encapsula the multifunction content delivery network that boosts the performance of your website protects it from denial of service attacks and secures it from bad guys all whilst ensuring high availability all you have to do is make a small change to your DNS to activate Encapsula. You don't need to install any hardware or software. It is ready to go when you are. Then you'll have access to Encapsula's global network of 30 data centers with 3 terabits of bandwidth. Then This network stops attack traffic and it makes sure that denial of service attacks never hit your servers. Meanwhile, they're caching your content and optimizing connections using their powerful CDN to make sure that your users get your content lightning fast and you can see it all working on Encapsula's dashboard where you can get a live traffic view of your site with the ability to create custom rules to meet your exact security needs as a listener of this show you can get one whole month of service for free just go to encapsula.com upgrade that's i-n-c-a-p-s-u-l-a.com upgrade you'll find out more here and get your free month of service thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and relay fm 
So last month at the Recode conference, Peter Kafka, he interviewed Eddie Q about a bunch of things. One of these yeah. was well, one question that he asked was about podcasting and, and he was talking about the shows that he does um, and he was talking about like the fact that he got an email from someone at Gimlet that wanted a bunch of questions to be asked or something. And he basically said, like, what are you doing in podcasting? And Eddie Q effectively shut the entire conversation down with a quote, which uh, I'll read here. He said, I think there's a huge resurgence in podcasting. Thanks, Eddie. And it's exactly what customers want because it's the ability of listening to something on demand when you want. And that's exactly what it's about. Can we do more? And will we do more? Absolutely. We're working on new features for podcasts. Stay tuned. This is a, one of those types <laughs> of PR quotes that says everything and nothing. Yeah, it's like um, the Tim the Cook uh, things about creative Mac, creative uh, Mac users, where it's yep. like, oh no, they're very, they're very important to us. And then you know, it's like, okay, and we're moving on. We know what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and this is, it's funny. I think this got lost a little bit in the whole people talking about uh, Apple's TV show. I mean, that that's sort of what everybody came out of there with yeah. is like, oh, there's going to be this TV show on uh, that's a uh, Planet of the Apps, and everybody was kind of snarking about that. That was the big news right? that came from it, and, but. I thought this was really uh, an interesting, mysterious quote because I fully expected Apple to say, look, podcasts are great. We're happy to have uh, the leading podcast directory. And we, we've been there since the very beginning supporting the podcasting world because we think it's super important. And we, are, we have been and will continue to be a leader because podcasts are great. And instead, he says... Uh, it's there's a huge renaissance. People are excited about it, and we can do more. And we're working on more. It's like okay, well, that is I I agree. It's nothing, and yet it's it's less than or it's more than nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I guess I don't know how you do it. It's not just <laughs> we think podcasts are really great and have a lovely home on iTunes. That's right. Yay, podcasts. Yeah. Instead, it's like, yes, and we will be doing more. Stay tuned. Goodbye. And so it's like, I won't say anything more about it, but it is one tick up from nothing because mm -hmm. it's, they didn't, he didn't need to say that, right? He didn't need to tease future developments for podcasts because nobody really expects future developments for podcasts, right? I think, I think he could have easily gotten away with just saying, yeah, they're great. We love them. We're the leader. Yay us. Yay podcasting. Awesome. And he didn't. He said, no, let, wait, wait. Hey, hold, hold on everybody. We're working on more stuff for podcasts. Yeah. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. So, what could this mean, right? So, let's assume that they are doing something, right? So, let's assume that this quote means that they're working on some stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so I last week on Six Colors, I tried to I tried to break this down a little bit because it was like I felt like nobody. I searched. I was like, did anybody do this story? Like after he talked about, it? I've had it on my list for weeks, and I thought like, surely there will be a a a conspiracy theory. What could it mean? Story about this, and I couldn't find one. Maybe there's one out there, but I I never remembered reading one, so I I did my own. <laughs> so basically, where Apple are right now with podcasts um they have the itunes podcast directory which was unveiled in 2005 um and i would argue that it is basically the backbone of the podcast industry um yes it, it is the largest no directory it. basically everything is there it is mostly open to everyone um, Apple do have some some guidelines of what they allow in, but it's mostly right. open yeah. to everyone, including fill explicit out a form. content. Yeah, you, have yeah. To... you fill out a form, submit your RSS feed, and that's it. Yep. 
Um, and it's just RSS. That's it. Um, the uh, iTunes store doesn't host or re-deliver your content in any way. Um, it is effectively a, a, a handshake between you, the user, and the RSS feed from the producer. All Apple does is just subscribes you to that feed. Then they're yeah. out. Then they're gone from the equation. If you're using the Apple Podcast app, they're, they're out of it. Apple has nothing else to do with that relationship. Um, also, as well, uh, and you noted this in your article. Basically, for for podcast producers, Apple has a pretty basic versions of version of iTunes Connect, which is the uh, portal that they give to app developers that they allow for podcasters to use to kind of make some small changes to their page and allow them to submit uh, more than one show. So after you submit the first one and you're in kind of the iTunes Podcast Connect portal, you can submit more shows, and it's an it's an easier, right. more streamlined process, and you get you get some uh, some tools to to kind of to manage things. And it's interesting because this is, so this all started in 2005 and an interesting historical note is this whole thing was like podcasts were coming on and somebody at Apple said, well, why don't we do something here? And what they did was they, they hacked the iTunes music store infrastructure. Yeah. To yeah. create a, a podcast section mm-hmm. in iTunes. That's what they did. That's all it is. That's why there's charts and stuff like that. Exactly. And what's funny is three years later, of course, they did their biggest hack of the iTunes music store which was the App Store, right? Yeah. Which is entirely yeah. <laughs> based on, on iTunes. But this was like before the App Store came, this was like their, maybe not their first because they did add like movies and TV, uh, but but this was an early example of Apple taking their music infrastructure and just doing another category, in this case, podcast. And they used, as you mentioned, it's all standard, right? This is not a custom, there are some custom um, tags in uh, RSS feeds that you can put in that are iTunes tags that basically give iTunes more information about your category and your art and stuff like that. But it's a it's an open thing and anybody can submit. It it is basically Apple just said nobody's doing this and the for people to find podcasts there needs to be a central directory. So we'll build one and put it in iTunes. And it is for the last twelve years it has not had any serious competition as the definitive place for where podcasts live. Funnily enough, this is just a funny piece of serendipity for me. Um, this was the same presentation in which they announced the switch to Intel for the Mac. My first Mac was the first Intel Mac. And the iTunes podcast directory is obviously pretty important to me. Just a yeah. funny little thing to me. Like this kind of started all of everything that that ran through for me. It's just obviously this, uh, this event made a big impact on my brain and I didn't know about it. Um, mm-hmm. So as well as, as all of these tools and the, the directory itself, Apple has some marketing support for podcasts currently. Um, you, you see they have like the Twitter account and they obviously have the featured pages and stuff like that, which run, uh, they have, it seems like they have some sort of global reach on this. Um, I know that there yeah. is some US support, but there's also dedicated support in other countries. Like the UK featured oh. page is different to the US featured page and stuff I like that. I just saw, they had a job posting the other week that a couple people sent to me. I'm not quite sure if they th- want me to work at Apple on podcasts or what, but they yeah, sent it to me, me and it was, and oh, I mean, I think I had one person send it to me and said, do you know anybody who could do this? job and it was it was a spanish language preferred uh ideally uh curating podcasting charts and stuff for right. south america so there you go they or latin care america about it, right but yeah they, they have resources for it and of course mm-hmm. the ios app is installed on all devices um this has gone backwards and forwards over the years they broke it out from the itunes app 
or the music app, whatever it was. Um, then it was uh, you had to install it like you would install Pages, and then they pre-installed it on all phones. Like currently, yep. it's pre-installed as part of iOS. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Huge. where Apple is right now. This is their podcast offering. Um, and you broke down your piece into a couple of headers. And the first header I also want to read with a with some chunky quotes from your article, if you'll okay. allow me to do so. Sure, so, quote me. Uh, what Apple won't do is what Jason says, and that is provide a lot of user data. So this is from uh, Mr. Jason Snell. This is, I suspect, what every podcasting startup wants. Unlike the web, where user behavior can be closely measured and quantified, podcasting is a bit of a mystery. In general, we know that you downloaded a file, and that's it. To know more, you need to be inside of the apps that people use to listen to podcasts. I will just say, as a founder of a podcasting startup, Jason, I will call foul to your uh, point there. I don't want this. Uh, well, okay. Well, that's, I, I mean, and I, I think I said earlier of. in that you're article, it's it's a podcasting startup with, with venture backing and mm-hmm. investors who want a big return on their investment and they want to spend their money and ramp up really fast. And yeah, this is like the gimlets of the world want mm-hmm. this. As Peter Kafka said to Eddie Q on stage, this yeah. is the kind of stuff that the gimlets of the world want. And I think a lot of people think they want this stuff because they're thinking about digital advertising. And like on the web, you get metrics. You get so many metrics about who people are and where they've been and what they're clicking on and all of that. And people don't realize that the way podcasting works is like literally you download the file and then you disappear. You you go into the fog after you downloaded a file. We don't know if you play it. We don't know how, how long it plays we don't know if you skip the ads the only way that we can see you through that fog at all is if you send us an email or tweet at us or use the offer code on an ad um, or anything like that but i i can't tell once you download the file i basically can't tell if you ever play it or not you could subscribe and some apps will you know if you don't listen they'll stop downloading after a little while and we can tell that because the download number changes but we can't see user behavior uh, that's that's a fact. And, and it unnerves people who are, even though in the history of media, most media is like that. We don't know how many people looked at the billboard. We don't know how many people actually opened up that magazine that they subscribed to or that newspaper that they subscribed to. We don't know how many people were had their eyes focused on the television when the ad played, right? We don't know any of those things either. I mean, honestly, for, you don't actually know how many people had the TV on. Right, it's all extrapolate stuff. Right, it's all. Or, I mean, there there are meters and stuff now too, and they try to do some eye tracking and person counting for some of that to get a sample of it. But it's not like digital, where in in uh, in web advertising, like they know how many ads get served and they know how many clicks there are. Like they know everything, and I think that that spoiled uh, digital ad agencies where they view podcasting as a digital play and not as not as radio or TV or newspaper or magazine, and they want all those stats now. I think we could argue, would they actually do anything with them and do they really need them? But they they want them. There's a perception that that stuff is desired and they can't get them without somebody handing them data from inside an app, which is why some podcast networks have their own apps. Another reason is that they can also lock content behind a paywall, and we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, I suspect. But one of the reasons is because then all the user behavior data belongs to them. So mm-hmm. Stitcher, for example is it is you know that's owned by midroll they have a premium offering that's that you pay for and you get extra stuff but they also let you uh, it's a it's a regular podcast app and it's not like it used to be where it re-encoded podcasts it's just a regular podcast client now but stitcher 
can, and I, I don't know if they are, I assume they are, look at your behavior in the app. They can aggregate that and say, this podcast was played by a certain number, not just downloaded. And it was, and the average distance in that a listener got was here. And uh, if you aren't on the app looking at user behavior, you don't know. And, you know, we, I don't really have a desire to get any of that data personally. Um, and I agree. I sell ads for Relay FM, and I am a host. You know, like I have, I'm part of the whole package. And I don't, with where we are right now and the way that the business is right now, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think we're fine to continue our business and the podcasting industry's business as a whole as it is, because the the rates are good, because the responsiveness is good, and there is a lot of what is called direct response advertising, which is where we give codes or right. URLs, and the advertisers know if that works for them. And exactly right. It's, uh, it's more simple than the web, but honestly, it has worked, and it is working, and I am really confused as to why people think it will get better if they can change it. Um, I, I don't see that happening. And I've talked to our friend Lex Friedman, who heads up sales at Midroll. And he's been on the show before. We had him on in the past. He's been on this show, and we've talked to him about this, right? And maybe we'll talk to him again in the future, because it is kind of fascinating. But, you know, he's made the point, and he's absolutely right. Like, if I'm an advertiser, and I give you X dollars, and I look at how many people put in my offer code, and I say, wow, that really worked. I'm very happy with how well that worked. I'm going to keep advertising. Does the number I claim to you in terms of how many people listen to my podcast matter? Like, should you not be thinking of it in terms of the value of who get who returned to you? Mm-hmm. Now, there are pr- some cases with branding, brand advertising, where you're less focused on the code, and, and and you're you know that's more of a cross my fingers and hope people are listening kind of situation, where getting a tangible number could be helpful, but. Even then, we can approximate, and I think there's a move in the industry to try to find a a common measurement statistic, which is harder than it sounds, of like, what? how do you define a listener to a podcast? Mm-hmm. Because of the way that it works on the technical side, it can be a hard thing to do. But if we can nail that down of like, this is how many people downloaded this podcast and the numbers match, which they currently don't then that's probably enough, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the end, if I tell you I got 30,000 downloads, but we got a newfangled statistic that says I've got 20,000 who actually listened, and the results for you as an advertiser are exactly the same, you should pay me the same. We just Because that's what it's about, right? So I'm skeptical, and having worked on the web, right, for several years, many years, I can tell you there's a lot of data. It isn't used well. A lot of times it's not measured right. And it is misused by salespeople and by ad agencies and by clients to get whatever they want, to push the rates down, to, you know, it, it's it's not, I don't see it in most cases as actually being valuable. I see it as being corrosive. So, you know, I, I think, uh, and then let's take this up a level. Okay. We're talking about like, would they actually use it? I, I think the big picture, and like I said, uh, you quoted me saying what Apple won't do, is I have a really hard time seeing Apple provide detailed data about the behavior of its customers inside an app back to the people who are a third party. A core OS app as well. Right? 
I just have a hard time seeing Apple saying, you know what? Hey, everybody who uses an iPhone, from now on, when you uh, play or pause or skip in our podcast app, we're going to aggregate that data and send it to the maker of that podcast. I just, I cannot envision Apple going down that route just Mm -hmm. because of Apple's take on uh, the sanctity of user data. I, I just have a hard time imagining that they would ever let that that level of detail happen. Now, maybe they could do some basic stats of plays or something like that, and maybe they would do that. I'm skeptical still, but maybe. But I don't think Apple's ever going to be, be able to provide podcasters with a um, with that level of detail of user behavior because it violates their uh, stand on privacy, user privacy. So you have some other headings. What Apple might do, which is support paid subscriptions for shows... So as you point out in the article, Apple has a payment infrastructure sitting right there, which is part of the same underpinnings that the Mm -hmm. podcast store is built on, which is the iTunes store and the App Store, right? Like that infrastructure, the Apple ID infrastructure, that's sitting right there with the ability to take people's money. So this Mm -hmm. may be to enable for uh, producers to create podcasts that have that are just listener-supported, you know, like how you have one and we have one. Yeah, like I was saying how Howl and uh, and Stitcher Premium, and there are a bunch of things like that, or, or uh, I mean, there are plenty of examples where you have to download an app, a special mm-hmm. app, to yep. get access to that podcast because it's paid, or Audible does this. Um, and sometimes it's we wall off the archive, Script Notes does that, and Mark Marin does that, and you have to pay and log in, and then you get access and you can listen in those special apps. So I could imagine Apple saying, hey, we're going to make it podcasters so that you don't have to have to build your own app or work with a company who built a white-labeled app that you're going to modify to look like you. You can just do it in Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And we've got a payment infrastructure already because we sell billions and billions of dollars of apps and music and movies and whatever. And now you can do that for your podcasts. And here's a format and it's, you know, maybe it's just RSS, but it's put in a special place or it's got some special tags and they, I, I don't know, you know, how the details would work, but they have all the pieces to do that and say, we know that you're struggling in making money and want to be able to sell your podcast too, and the open podcast format doesn't allow it. So we have, we've worked our magic to do that for you. I totally could see Apple doing that. I, the question is, does this matter enough to Apple for them to build something like that? And normally I would say no, but then again, I didn't expect Eddie Q to say, we've got things coming in mm-hmm, podcasting. Mm-hmm. I expected him to just say, yay, podcasting is great. So it makes Definitely. me wonder if there's a commerce story here where they could be because also that's very apple to swoop in as the savior and say aha we have the answer to people who want to charge for special podcasts we can make that happen and save those podcasters and give them a single solution that does this Uh, i could totally see apple doing that making that pitch and if they did that um apple starts becoming kind of like a a gatekeeper for specific content could they then maybe put an application on Android like they have with Apple Music that would allow non-iOS users to get to that content? Or would they want to keep this content as iOS only and or would producers be happy enough to do that? My my gut feeling is that if Apple is going to go to the trouble of launching a podcast subscriptions plan, they would probably go to the trouble of doing an Android podcast app. 
especially since the Android podcast app universe is not super strong like pocket cast is there and there are a few others but like google play music podcast access is not the best it's like mm. it's not like that is a locked out area so apple could go in there and then allow podcasters to say you can you can subscribe to this paid podcast anywhere and they you know maybe do a web version they could do a windows version although there's itunes on windows although everybody hates it but you could do like a web version that you log into and and you could play it there and it could sync just like itunes and the podcast app sync so i think that's that's the only reason i could see apple doing podcasts for android but i it's a reason it's not, it's not a bad reason if you're going to jump in and say we're going to be the place that people who want to charge for premium podcasts uh do it that that would be that's my theory but obviously the thing that we can assume that will definitely keep happening is what Apple's been doing, right? So curating and managing and moving forward the application that's currently on iOS, right? Like that's what's going to happen. Iterating. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll improve the curation. They'll, you know, they're they're apparently staffing up or or at least keeping their staff, I think, and I I I think doing better jobs with curation improving the app doing some better stuff in the app i think that will certainly happen regardless and would have regardless of what eddie q said i i would imagine that they would just keep on iterating on that stuff and making it better but i guess if it's more um i think that safe bet would be on there being some kind of support for paid paid podcast subscriptions Um, that's the best i can come up with is apple apple taking their existing free podcast database and then adding a paid layer onto it. So not like paying for your existing podcasts. And, you know, it, it really is like the idea that if you're, um, if you're what, what audible is doing now is a good example um, or what Howl and uh, Stitcher Premium are doing now, which is we've got some shows that you have to be a member to get, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine somebody saying, here's a great new podcast. It costs, you know, it costs a, uh, $5 a year or something like that to get it. And if you don't pay, you don't get it. Um, I, I, there's questions about if that this would even work, but it's certainly a la carte purchases and uh, ongoing subscriptions are both things that Apple has a great history with. I'm not sure I love this idea, and I'm not sure it would work. I'm just saying that if I try to think of something Apple might do, and that I hear some demand for among some podcasters, especially ones that are trying to find a good revenue model, then, you know, I could see this happening. I'm not sure I would ever use it, but, um, you know, but the fact is I, I have a premium podcast feed or two and so for the incomparable and relay does too and it's more security through obscurity and honor system than anything else because there's no way to lock that down and i'm fine with that because i want to let people listen in overcast if they want to and not say you can only listen to this in podcasts and i imagine that's how it would work right it's not going to be like oh marco here's the api that lets (laughs) you have access to the premium podcast that seems unlikely right it's more going to be it's in the podcast app on iOS if you log in with your Apple ID and subscribe. I guess the one thing that I would be interested in and, and would, would, would think it'd be kind of cool if they did it would be a way to allow people to pay for early access. You know, so like if you pay, you get the show and then a week later it's free or something like that. Which is which is what a lot of those other models do. Like oh, I would like to see it that, because yeah. otherwise there's going to be two listings for every single podcast in existence, right? Oh, yeah. You know, 
because they're going to put it up for the paid version or they're going to have the free version which comes out later which has ads in it and i think it would be kind of cool if they found a way to uh to, to do that right and again i i can't force really foresee wanting to go down this route like I, I can't think of any project that i have currently or i'm thinking about that would fit this because of it being walled into apple's application um but yeah i guess one other thing that, that you didn't mention that i don't think apple will do uh, is become an advertising player of any kind yeah don't you think they've gone down that root already yeah <laughs> yep i add i add so yeah. yeah there you go i i think it's right to to point it out because it does indicate that something is coming but i think it's kind of unclear to really put i, I at least find it complete uh, kind of unclear to put my finger on exactly what they're going to do but i think that logic would dictate what you have suggested here which is that it would be some kind of way to for podcasters to make money uh, from Apple's stored credit cards. So there you go. Yeah. This week's episode, this is how we make money. This week's episode is brought <laughs> to you by FreshBooks. Whether you are racing against the clock to wrap up the projects that you're working on whilst preparing for a meeting later in the afternoon or whilst trying to tackle a mounting of paperwork or maybe you're out in the field, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Life as a freelancer can be challenging and invoicing is just one of the biggest challenges because it, it's tricky to manage. It's also the way that you make money, right? You make money as a as a freelancer. Somebody has a client by the invoices that you send out. So you want this stuff to be dealt with really well. You want to be able to give your clients loads of ways to pay you. And you want to be able to have tools that help you manage it. That's what FreshBooks is all about. Their platform is designed with the focus on telling you how your business is doing and allowing you to send out your invoices quickly. You'll be able to jump in to FreshBooks and get an invoice sent out in less than 30 seconds. It's going to look super professional. You can put your logo on it and everything. You'll be able to build it in their WYSIWYG interface, so you will see exactly how your client's going to see it when it hits their inbox. You'll be able to set up for online payments in just a couple of clicks. This is why FreshBooks gets paid FreshBooks customers, I should say, get paid up to four days faster than anybody else. So, like, for example, you can integrate their own payment system that they've built. You can integrate card payments. You can integrate PayPal payments. You can give information on how people can send you checks. It's all in there. So you can give your clients any way they want to pay you. They can make it happen. You'll be able to see where your invoice is with your client as well. It's one of my favorite features. You can go into any specific invoice. You can see if it's been opened. You can see if it's been printed. You get an idea of where it is. And if they like, even if they come back to it, so, so it's been 10 days, they log in again and they take a look again, you'll know that somebody's come back to your invoice. Everything's tracked. No more guessing games. No more chaser emails. You also get a feed, which I really like. So you can kind of, when you log into FreshBooks with all their notifications, you can see who has been logging in, who hasn't been, and what needs your attention. It really is a fantastic system. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of this show. Go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade and in the how did you hear about us section that you'll be presented when you sign up, enter upgrade in there so they will know that you came to them from this show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. So one of our Ask Upgrade questions that was in a document that I saw this week was from Tyler. And Tyler asked, what is on your home screens? Now, 
This is too big of a question for just ask upgrade. And I'm not sure. I did a little search. I couldn't remember. I did a little search. I don't think that me and you have done this before. And it's one of my favorite things to do is to compare people's home screens. Um, I take great pleasure in doing this, looking at people's home screens, asking questions, uh, sometimes picking them apart if necessary. So we're going to do this. Uh, I think we'll start with you, Jason. And we'll take a look at your iPhone and iPad. So there'll be links in the show notes so people can go and see it. And this is like our home screens as of like yesterday or something when I asked uh, for the pictures. So we'll take a look at your, uh, we'll take a look at your iPhone home screen here. So let's, let's kind of go, kind of go left or right from top to bottom um, and explain, you know, in as many words as you would like the choices that you have made for the apps that you have here. All right. Um, messages. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, people need messages. I send texts to my wife and my daughter and my mom and, yeah, messages. Phone, no longer in the dock. It was in the dock for a very long time, Mike. But I took it out because you know what? I don't call on my iPhone very much. <laughs> Pretty simple. But it took me a while. It took me a long time to accept a phone app needed to not be in the dock anymore. It's still on your home screen, though. Well, I do make calls, and I'm not going to go that far mm-hmm. as to okay. hide it. The App Store, because you got to update things, right? you got to find apps that somebody mentions to you. So mm-hmm. I got the App Store there. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are up, and the rationale here, by the way, is that the higher up it is to a certain point, the top row, I'm actually not that, I don't think those are that important because they're far away. From my from my fingers, but you want to be. Able, I, I guess with the the thing here is you want to be able to see those. You have badges set yes. for those applications, so I guess that's that's kind of the the thinking there, right? Like yeah. messages and phone and the app store. I do have you badges. See on there's those. stuff going on, right? I guess which yeah. makes sense to me. Uh, photos. There it is. I don't have a lot to say about that. The next row is maps, and it's Offy. Apple Maps, right? You use Apple, Apple Maps. maps. Because you live That's in my San primary. Francisco, so yeah. Area. So the maps, the maps data here is fine, and then and then I have Google Maps, but it's not on the screen. No, Authy, which I use for uh, two factor codes for the most part. Yes, I know that one password does two factor as well. I find Authy's interface much simpler at getting at two factor codes. So don't email me. <laughs> I I do have one as a trial. I put my Dropbox two factor in one password. Uh huh. And it's more convenient when I'm at my Mac and less convenient everywhere else because I have to open one password and unlock it and go to my favorites or my where I've saved it. And then I can view the code. And in Authy, it opens and I can choose which account and the code is there. It's easier. So I like Authy. Yeah, I don't do any of this. I'm, I'm st- I use text messages. I feel like I need to get into the future with this. Get I into use the text future, messages Mike. for all of my two factor stuff. Join us here. We have iPod Hi-Fis. <laughs> I don't know. That's the wrong future. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that future smell. No record players here in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, find friends is next to it because I use that a lot to see is my wife home from uh, coming home from work yet? Uh, you know, where's my daughter? <laughs> that happens a lot. Where's my son? If he's riding his bike home, and I'm like, is he is he on his way home yet? Uh, just checking in on on where my family is. Yep. Where's Mike? Use that. That's that type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Where's Mike? I can mm-hmm. check on that. Where's Stephen Hackett? I can find out. Uh, settings. 
Because, you know, sometimes you got to set settings. You got to set those settings, Snow. You got to do it. Uh, next row, any list. This okay. is currently our shared grocery list app. Not me and you. No. No. No, my family's. Yes. And it's not just me. I used to say this was my wife's and mine, but it's actually uh, my daughter. My daughter has now been given access to the any list list. <laughs> and now when she complains that there's not something in the house, we say, put it on the list instead of dutifully putting it on the list for her. So she now has to do that as a 15-year-old. Also leads to some very funny things that I find on the list from time to time. Like, really? This must be Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> notes. Because notes is actually really great. Yep. And I use it all the time to write down things that are... I do this for my notes for when I'm watching a movie or something for The Incomparable. Or if I need something that is like a more detailed than a to-do item... <laughs> That is, you know, here's a thing that I need to remember or something somebody is saying or I'm I'm having a conversation with somebody and they tell me a few things that I need to write down somewhere and I don't have paper or a pencil or a pen, so I use notes for that. So I keep it out there. One password, because I do use one password all the time to look things up. And I can't just I can't just access it from the extension for a few reasons. Sometimes uh, the extension doesn't work right. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes I need to get things on the clipboard for very specific reasons for other apps or whatever. So I need to have it handy. Uh, and then the next one on that row is Fantastical, which is my calendar. I use that instead of the Apple calendar uh, on the iPhone. That's great. Nothing? No comments yet? Um, no. Uh, my my comment on Fantastical will come after your next application. Oh, All right reminders yeah so anytime i have an idea for a story that i think would be a good story for six colors or for my Macworld column i open reminders i've got a story list list i write it down there anytime i have an idea for like a a novel i want to write or a short story i want to write i open reminders i've got a Mm. i've got a, Mm. a a story ideas list i put it down there so that's literally i mean this happened to me yesterday where i'm walking somewhere and i think oh that would be a that would be a cool novel idea. And I open up reminders and type in enough that reminds me that I had that idea. And then I put it away again. Cause if you, uh, you know, if you don't write it down, then you may never remember it again. It could be a very good idea. They bubble up all the time. Story ideas do, whether it's fiction ideas or especially like my tech writing stuff, those bubble up and I got to capture them and I capture them in reminders. And that is, that is when I'm sitting at my desk here looking and thinking, I got to write something. What am I going to write? I open, in the story list in reminders and there are all of my dumb ideas and then I look at them and I'm like no no yes okay maybe that one and that's how I that's how I manage that part of my process that's interesting uh I put stuff like that in notes really yeah, I I like this because the the story list is much more prominent, um, and I do use new notes for other things. So then yeah. I have to go find the story list, and there is something very satisfying about checking the box when I post the story. You can have checkboxes in the notes app. I can, but it's not the same. This, they, I check the box and they go away. Ah, uh, right, okay. Yeah, that is a big difference. I don't have to do any maintenance on it. I just add them and then when I write the story, I check the box and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So it works perfectly for how I use it. Then you have music and Sonos here. I listen to music, the music app, when I am, have headphones on, on my iPhone. 
I use the Sonos app when I'm playing music in the house. Yep. So I need both. Now, the MLB at bat application, uh, is this video? Is this like scores? And do you have it on your phone the whole time? Oh, no. There's there's a whole... So, Mike, after the World Series is over, uh-huh. I go through a one-week period of mourning that baseball is over until the next spring. And then, I, and then there's a, a brief solemn ceremony is held where the MLB at, at bat app is removed from my home screen. Mm. And then in March, as the flowers are beginning to peek up out of the flower beds and the promise of spring is arriving, there's another ceremony where there's confetti, there may be some songs, and the MLB at bat app is added back to my home screen. Okay. I, and I don't even keep it somewhere else. I delete it in the off season. It's just not on my phone. Oh, and then wow. I bring it back and it's on the home screen. That's a big yeah. oh, yeah. ceremony. That was it's more not thrown than I in a, yeah, It's not thrown in a folder. I'm not going to throw <laughs> baseball in a folder for the winter. It goes away. And you need to feel that death. That is dead. It's gone. That misery. And then you bring it back. And so now it's back. And it does, um, it does scores. It does audio. So I can listen to like, I can be walking somewhere and listen to the baseball game on my headphones while I'm going. It does do video, including live games, but also highlights. And uh, it does some push notifications and I tweak those settings so I can get some push notifications of like the game is starting. That's the one I have on for the giant. The giants game is starting now. And that's, that is useful to me. So, so yeah, it's great. It's a great app. It's always been a great app. It's been yeah, one of the best that. apps on iOS since the be- very beginning. So then you have the mail app because you get email. Um, I but, do sometimes get email, and I am back to using mail. Yeah, what's going on here? What were you using? Were you on Airmail or Spark? I don't remember. I was using Airmail for a while. And why are you back on the mail, the Apple Mail app now? Um, you know, Spark has some HTML rendering issues where I had page, I had email messages that I would open and it would not display them, or it would only display parts of them. Mm. Like Ben Thompson's Stratechery newsletter, everything that he would quote in block quote just didn't show up. Wait, did you say Spark or Airmail? In Airmail. In Airmail, okay. Yeah. And so I'm just back to this for now. And again, I'm kind of open. And I use Gmail, so I could probably just use the Gmail app, but I don't think I like the Gmail app as much as I like this. Although I thought about it. I thought about Gmail. I thought about Inbox. I've used those a little bit um, because I do use Google Mail, so I could use Gmail. But uh, right now I'm back to I'm back to Apple Mail. I'm just I've gone back to the default. At least you know it's a tenuous um, tenuous hold on my home screen. Now, when I saw this picture initially, it is these next three icons on yeah. your bottom row that I am the most interested in here? I thought I thought about moving them out, and then I decided, no, no, you get to see the real thing. So next What's is a folder all? containing uh, eight flight tracking apps, because I, as I wrote on Six Colors, my flight tracking app was discontinued. So was my flight tracking app. <laughs> I, 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 I downloaded a bunch of possible replacements so that I can try them out. And decide what I think, and write an article about it. Like the decide whole what world I think is looking at you for this answer. You know that, yeah, right? yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not traveling for another two weeks, so and I haven't had the time to like put in a fake flight and experience that, which I probably should do. But I thought it might be better if I just put my flights to London in here and had that experience. Yeah. Um, so that this is a temporary thing. 
Uh, and likewise, the next two, I have Stitcher and Audible on here, and that's because I've been listening to Offices and Bosses, which is a Stitcher Premium show based on Hello from the Magic Tavern, and it's only on Stitcher Premium and mm. Howl, so I have to have one of those on here. And Audible I have on here because I've been listening to Presidents or People 2, which is a show that is an Audible original. It does end up getting posted on... on um, iTunes and I'm so far behind that it might be better I might be better off just subscribing to the iTunes feed of it but as an Amazon Prime customer I have access to all that stuff through Audible all the Audible channels material I did so not know that Yeah Amazon huh. Prime you get access to the not to all the Audible books but to their podcasts which are called channels um the Audible app interface is terrible by the way but um in terms of like controlling what you hear next, I don't understand how it works, which is why I might move it back to Overcast. So those are there for now, but they're not uh, positions of honor. It's more like I, I want to remind myself that I've got podcasts to listen to that I can't listen to in Overcast, mm-hmm. so I need to use them instead. So they, they round it out. And then there's another row that's empty. So here's a question I have for you, right? You are an empty row person. Uh, you have three icons that are currently uh, seem to be temporary, right? The Flight Trackers app, Stitcher, and Audible. But you have mail on this this row with these. So do you usually, or would you usually have just mail on that row on its own? Well, no, probably not. So uh, is that like, do you, do you have like this temporary space on your home screen where things get moved in and out? Sometimes. And in fact, I think what happened here is that I added those in and I added the MLB app back. And that if I had just added the MLB app back and I had mail sticking out in the next row all by itself, I would have had to, I could have left it there. I might also have decided to add three things in or remove a thing. Mm. If you had to remove a thing, do you know what it would have been from your current list of, of things here? Or is that too difficult a question? I think that's I think that's too difficult a question. I don't. It's very difficult. I, I don't think I would. I, I don't think I need two empty rows. So I probably would have thought: Are there some other things that are floating around that I I use occasionally that mm-hmm. I could bring up to my, my home screen? Yeah, I'm I'm going through this a little bit now, as you'll dis- as you'll discover soon. Um, I have I have some some spacing issues, uh, but your dock your dock is is uh, seems pretty pretty standard as I would expect. You have Overcast, then Safari, Twitterific, and Slack. Yeah, and this is a big change for me. I mean, oh, yeah? I didn't used to have Slack in the dock. I didn't used to have Overcast in the dock. My dock used to be phone, mail, Safari, and Twitterific. So what happened there? Well, what happened is I realized that the things that I use my phone for by far the most are Slack, Twitterific, Overcast, and Safari, yep. and they should probably be in my dock. That makes a lot of sense. I also I also only have a second screen, and it's all just folders with stuff dumped in them because right. I'm I'm on the I'm stand. on the Hurley the gray Hurley model, which is if it's not on the home screen, I'm just searching for it. Come on. All right, let's flip over to your iPad real quick. Okay, take a look here. So I guess first off, do you? Do you think of your iPhone and iPad layouts in relation to each other in any way? No. No, neither do I. So I'll I'll set up straight up front like I do not. Um, So there's a couple of things that I'm noticing here in contrast to your iPhone. Although Twitterific and Slack are on the far right of the dock, which is something that is the same on both. But I I think that's a coincidence. I've I've already noticed a few things that are interesting to me about about what you've got going on here. You have Calendar, not Fantastical on your iPad. Why is that? I don't like the layout of Fantastical on the iPad. Yeah, I, I only like it in split view, honestly. I, I don't think yeah. that the full view um, uh, is, a, is very nice. I, I, I don't like it very much. I either. really like the I really like the weak view in calendar on the okay. iPad. 
Yeah, I don't I like, like that so it shows it the entire month. Like, it has the whole month calendar in the bottom right. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Fantastical yeah. layout um, either. Yep. Uh, so you have on here a bunch of specific reading applications, like Comixology, Marvel Unlimited. Is the SF Chronicle and Washington Post apps, are they newspaper? Oh, and the New York Times. Are they newspapers or are they like... Yes. That, let me, I know, sorry, I know they are newspapers, uh, but I mean, is it the newspaper application or is it like a web, like, is it an iPhone app application? That makes sense? Like, it's not like a newsstand uh, thing. It's not a, it's, well, newsstand doesn't exist anymore, but it's not like a digital replica of a newspaper. They're Because yeah, they they're definitely just, still exist, those applications. Yeah, they're, right. no, they're stories. So that's, and those are the three news sources that I um, subscribe to. And mm-hmm. so I have the apps on here and I will read them. In the morning with my tea sometimes. I got the local news from the Chronicle and I got the Washington Post and the New York Times and I will read them sometimes and they send me little news alerts every now and then and, and I do most of the that newspaper reading on the iPad, usually in the morning. So right. that's a good place for those. A lot of the same apps are on here, by the way, I should say. You know, calendar is different, but, but like Photos, App Store, Find Friends, 1Password, Notes, um, they're all there for the same reasons. Yep. Um, and in fact, you'll see Reminders isn't on here. And that's because uh, very rarely am I, you know, Reminders is my walking around somewhere can't, you know, need to dash something down that I'm thinking of right away. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I, that rarely ever happens when I'm in the context of using an iPad. Sure. And if it is, I'll just search for it. But it, it's it's pretty rare. So yeah, I have these, I have the two comic book reading apps. I've got the three newspaper apps. They're all out here on top. You have a weather app, Wunderstation. I think it's probably talking to your weather station, right? Yeah, Wunderstation is from Weather Underground, and it's um, it's iPad only, and it lets you connect to any Weather Underground weather station. So it's got my live weather data, and I can also look at like weather stations that are near other people. So like sure. I can say, this is how hot it is at my mom's house in Phoenix, because there's a weather station like... 200 yards away from where she lives so I can get right. exactly in her community how ridiculously hot it is. But you had no weather app on your iPhone home screen. I don't. I searched, I just yesterday was searching for the weather app and and I think in the winter when when we were having lots and lots of rain, I think, I think Dark Sky was up there um, right. and then I moved it off because we're getting towards spring and I had other things that I was putting on there. So I think Dark Sky probably was on there and got demoted. And I thought about that, maybe bringing a weather app back. Um, because I do look it up and I, I end up searching for the weather app, which is dumb. And then, of course, you have your two writing applications like Scrivener and One Writer. Now, these aren't on the iPhone. I, I assume you're you're doing all the writing on your iPad or your yeah, Mac, I, right? Yeah, I, I don't write on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so Scrivener and One Writer are on here and that's where I do writing on my iPad. Do you have them on your iPhone so you can review something if you want to? Uh, they may be on there. Okay. Uh, but uh, in practice, I never. You don't do that. Okay. Them up. Yeah. And then the only other one here is Ferrite, which is your uh, audio app, your podcasting app on iOS that you that you yeah, use. Yeah, it's, it's an audio editor, and it, it, sometimes it's on the first screen, and sometimes it's not because mm-hmm. I go a long time without using it because I only really use it when I travel. It's it happens to be there right now, and MOB at bat I should say is also on here, which is great because again, scores, highlights, videos, and it does picture in picture, so I can put a game on and and have it float while I do other stuff. And then down in the dock, it's not that exciting. Mail, messages, Safari, settings, Twitterific, and Slack. 
No Overcast, by the way, because I don't listen to podcasts on my iPad. Oh, occasionally, okay. Overcast is on here, and occasionally I will look if somebody's referencing something uh, that was in a podcast. I'll go and like stream it, but I've got it set to stream mm-hmm. only, and it's just it's there if I need to a- access a podcast really quickly for reference, but I don't use it for listening. All right, my turn. Okay. I feel like there's a little bit more peculiarness in my iPhone home screen, people seem to find that um, to be the case. All right, so I'm going to go top top left, as you did. Um, I will note how much I think nicer the iPhone home screen looks uh, on the Plus with those packed-in icons. It looks richer, you know, more, 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 especially mine is just a more very colorful uh, iPhone. My, my background, by the way, will be in Whatever. the show notes. It is the, uh, <laughs> I've got to get it in now. Come on. You got, you got a Jason was right. Just look, I'm not saying I'm right. Yep, Just no. let me say that. You what? Know? Have you started mm-hmm. talking about your home screen yet? I missed it. I have a, uh, a, a wallpaper, which is the Upgradian official wallpaper. Uh, I use that for my iPhone. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to find it. I am very upset that you weren't using it, Jason, but you did have a picture mm-hmm. of one of your children, so I guess that's acceptable. Sitting on the beach, yeah. Um, I'm going to go top left. Uh, I have the Relay FM app, which is our live listening app. Um, Mostly because I just like to see my own company logo on my iPhone <laughs> home screen. Honestly, that's the reason that's there. Um, I use Bear. Bear is where I do uh, the writing for all of our uh, advertising copy for all of the shows. All of the, the sponsor reads are all written in Bear. It's a Markdown text editor. Notes. Notes is where all of my notes go, whether it's just like simple text notes or like little ideas for things. Um, all of my travel documents go in there and all of my show preparation notes. So not the, the documents that me and Jason share, but like as I'm thinking of things to talk about throughout the week for my shows, I just send all of the links and thoughts into notes and collect them up on the day of the show to put into our show documents, which tend to be in Google Docs. I have Dropbox. Dropbox is my file system. It's where all of my files are for everything, right? Like it all goes in Dropbox on all devices so I can view everything that I need to. Um, I have Dew, which is where I keep simple recurring reminders for things and or like if I have to go take the trash out later on today or take a pill if I'm sick like that all goes in due because it's just a simple way to get things to be reminded to me and they and due my favorite feature about due is it keeps reminding you until you complete it like it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until it's completed or until the time is changed I like that app a lot for that um, you can stop me anytime if you have criticism or questions Jason by no the way. Uh, music because that's where my music is um, Canary because yep. that is my home security camera I like having that on my home screen so I can easily jump into it um, I really 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 like my Canary a lot um, Google Maps because I, f- I find Google Maps to be better than Apple Maps in every single possible way um, it is so much better I find in London for point of interest and I, I do check into Apple Maps every now and then to make sure that I'm right on this the point of interest data is better. The information it has about businesses and places that I'm going to is better. Like, for example, one of my new favorite features is Google Maps will show you when a place is busy. Because um, it, whether it's collecting this data from people searching for it or whatever, however it's collecting it, it, it shows a little graph of like when the peak times are for a restaurant or something, which I like. Um, I have the camera app on my home screen. Um, for two reasons. One, the camera app has always been on my home screen, right, since the original iPhone. Uh, and I also, it, it serves double duty because it's a way for me to get to my photos too. 
So you just tap into the camera app. Yeah. I can take a picture or I can grab my photos. Get it off. No. Get it off. No. If it's locked, you can swipe right. And if it's not, if it's unlocked, you can swipe up and launch it from control center. Be like me. Nope. I, I moved the camera away mm-hmm. now. I don't do need it, it nope. anymore. Nope. 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 Don't nope. need nope. it. No, I need it. Because I honestly, honestly, I forget about these other shortcuts and I tend to unlock my phone and open the camera app. Learn, Mike, learn, grow as a person. No, double duty. It serves (laughs) double duty. You have the photos app on your home screen. I have the camera app on mine because I can get to the camera Mm. or the photos all within the app. By far the most efficient way to launch the photos app is to buy the camera app. That's that's what I find. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Solid. Solid. Instagram. Instagram is there. That is a social network that I look at photos on. Uh, Fantastical mm-hmm. um, is my calendar yep. app. I find it to be the best calendar app. My favorite feature about Fantastical is the natural language entry. So even though, as I said, and, and it's on my uh, iPad, we'll get to that shortly. I don't tend to like the iPad layout in the full view so much. Uh, I, I can't use anything else because I need the natural language entry for events. Uh, PCalc. Uh, I love PCalc. It is my favorite calendar calendar application, calculator application. Um, PCalc has a couple of features that I really like a lot that other other calculator apps do not have. So it's the one that I go for. Um, I love I it too. I just don't use a calculator on my phone enough to have it on my home screen. So I, I do for it. a lot. That's why it's on my home screen. Um, I, I use the calculator on my phone a lot, a lot. And uh, that's, so this is my one of choice. I have messages there because I get messages Whoop. like Jason. Um, You've got a one. I have Whoop. a one. Uh, I have one hundred message right there um, yep. next to messages. Do you notice there is there is not completely, but there is some grouping of things. So camera and Instagram are next to each other. Bear and yeah. notes are next to each other. Messages sure. and Slack are next to each other. They are grouped purposefully. Um, because that's kind of just where that's how that works out in my brain. Todoist uh, is my task management system um, right. of very choice popular. right now, which I am very, very happy with. Uh, one password is where all my passwords go. Narwhal is my Reddit application. Um, I now subscribe to like three or four subreddits, um, which I will go to every now and then. I never see the Reddit homepage because I don't ever want to. It's just not the way that I view Reddit. Um, and there's just a few little communities that I enjoy that tend to be pretty okay. Um, and Narwhal is where I do them. I, I think Narwhal is the best iOS Reddit app that I have found and used. Um, it's a really, really nicely made app. Uh, Trello. Trello is an application that uh, me and Steven use for a few things uh, with Relay FM related. It's a really nice way to kind of visually look at things, right? Like to, to have this like visual... I keep saying visually look and visual view. I can't think yeah. of another way to say it, but like a visual representation of data. It's a card. It's a card interface. Yeah, and we actually use this. Um, I use this in a couple different places, including for the nonprofit that I'm on the board for. That it's useful to have like cards in different stacks and move yep. them around, and it's a it's a good organizational system, and it does have a visual representation instead of it just being kind of like an outline or text in a document. It's little cards that you can move around spatially. Um, and then I have workflow because I am an automator, not a programmer. I've settled sure. on this, Jason, as, uh, All right. as as the thing I was talking to Casey about on Analog. I'm not a programmer. I'm an automator. I don't use workflow enough to build workflows to have it visible because mm-hmm. um, I use it mostly using existing workflows that I've built in uh, in share extensions. So I just yeah. I haven't. Me too. 
But both Workflow and IFTTT are on my home screen right now, and they have been for a while because I am encouraging myself to use them more. So if I have them on my home screen, it is a constant reminder for me to be in there and tinkering and playing around um, as I'm trying to get better at this and, and think about this stuff more. So those two applications are on my home screen right now as a way to encourage more activity in them. Um, I then have Toggle, the Toggle application, um, which I have there for some of the reports and the, the manual entry stuff because I use my workflow triggers for those. Um, but I, I use the Toggle app for some report stuff and then the YouTube Studio app, which is like a creator's application. So the issue that I'm having right now is I don't like that those two apps are just kind of out there on their own. Yep. Um, but eventually I will move, I would definitely move off IFTTT from my home screen and I will probably move, well, I will move either Toggle or the uh, YouTube Creator Studio application to the second screen. One of those doesn't need to be there all the time. So we'll, 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 we'll shove off, but I'm not sure what one that's going to be. Then my, uh, my doc is TweetBot, Airmail, Chrome, and Overcast because, okay, so TweetBot is one of the things that I do on my phone the most is viewing Twitter, right? Chrome is my web browser, so that goes there um, because I also surf, surf net a lot on my phone, right? And Overcast, yep. like it's the majority of audio that I listen to on my phone, which is what it's a device for, is there. It is all in there, right? So I go into Overcast and get that. Airmail is only there because mail has always been in my dock because maybe Slack should be there instead if it was based purely on what the phone is used for, right? But email has always had a place there and it, and it works fine for me having it there. Um, you also notice I don't. Um, I have the, the the badge there on the messages. Aside from Slack and Todoist, nothing else on my home screen gets badges. Hmm. The, they're the only the only things there that will get badges on my on my home screen on my iPhone. Solid. Yep. Because I don't I don't like badges. Do you have any other comments or questions about my my home screen, or are we good? I think we're good. Um, okay. Chrome, I don't know if I knew that you use Chrome or not, but that's fine. People use Chrome. It's I fine. like it. I like it. I use Chrome on the desktop, and so yep. I use it on iOS because then all Makes my sense. settings information syncs, syncs over. Makes sense. Um, then my uh, my iPad, again, I will put a link in the show notes to where I got the wallpaper. It's one of Stephen's photos of one of his many iMacs. So my iPad... Okay, so I've used a 12.9 here because both of my iPads differ, but for no specific reason, because I really don't tap on the icons on my home screen of my iPad very much. And therefore, I, I basically have everything I use on my iPad on the first screen. Everything that's on the second screen are apps that will eventually be added to folders or deleted. They're like apps that I'm trying out. I, I basically have everything on my home screen of, of my iPad because I launch everything typically from Spotlight. So there aren't, I mean, basically it's all of the apps that you've seen already are there and then all of the stuff that's in folders are in, is in stuff that's in folders on my second and third screen of my iPhone or, you know, on my second screen of my iPhone. Like it's all, it's all the same apps, right? But they're just in slightly different configurations or hidden away but I don't really know where anything is on my iPad. Like, it's not because re- I never tap the icons. I'm always opening from a spotlight. So for me, like, makes sense. I just it's it's it's, it's just everything. It's all on the one screen, and my nine point seven is organized completely differently for 
no reason. It's just where it got organized to when I set it up. Um, because I don't, I do, because I always have keyboards attached to my iPads and I use right. Spotlight to always open stuff. I mean, if it's not on my home screen of my iPhone, I am using Spotlight too, but I do tap the icons on the home screen of my iPhone. So yeah, that that's kind of my devices. Do, do you have any thoughts on my iPad there? No, I think it's interesting that you're so search centric on the iPad. I'm yeah. not because I'm not always at a keyboard. In fact, like I, I think I've said on this show, I'm like 90% of my iPad use is not with a keyboard yeah. attached because I'm sitting in bed or on the couch or whatever. And I'm just, I've just got my iPad there. And so I want the stuff, I want quick access to the stuff that I use all the time. And it's mostly reading and, and Twitter and Slack and mm-hmm, stuff like that mm-hmm. and web browser. So they are our home screens, and I look forward to people sending us theirs, which is, tends to be what happens when you show off your home screen. Ah. So there you go. I dread it, but that's okay. Send them in. I don't dread it. I like seeing it. Um, I also will mm, not look forward to, but await. I will await the criticism. Judgment. Yeah, people that, are judgy. Yeah, that we will receive uh, for this. Yeah, that's I don't want to hear about it. It's just how don't, it is. Don't email me. They're going to email you. Actually, don't email us. Actually, You can tweet at us. That's fine. Don't, yeah. don't, don't email. It's fine. Send tweets. No, I mean, I, 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 li- I literally, if you're, if you're going to tell me I'm doing it wrong, I literally don't want to hear it because I don't care because I'm doing it exactly right for me. Is that why you tell me I should change the camera app? Well, I mean, I see what you're, I wear, the reason I tell you that, Mike, is because I was you. I was, uh-huh. learn from my, uh-huh. I have, I went through that process. I used to have only the camera app and I said, oh, well, I can get to the photos from the camera app. And then I realized that with the swipe on the lock screen and it being in the control center, it was dumb to have the camera app on there and it got demoted. Yeah, so but I'm, I'm saying, I know be there. like me. Right. I, I know that those things are there. I know that they're there. Work, Jason. I know, but I, I have converted, and I can tell you it's a nice place over here. But it's all, it, all I'd be doing... No, I'm not going to do it. No one can change my mind on this. I am, I am resolved right. to it. Mike was wrong. Mike was making a peculiar choice. Oh, you couldn't resist, could you? It's the new, it's the new uh, hashtag. Mike, hashtag Mike was making a weird choice. Mike to- be mike It's got to be Mike. And today's show is brought to you by Eero. These days, everything in our homes requires an internet connection. And we're increasingly looking at streaming services as well, right? So we have Netflix, Hulu, and Spotify for our home entertainment. And our devices that don't play entertainment still all need Wi-Fi. So like our speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, maybe you have a front door lock. Our security cameras, I mentioned, you know, my Canary security camera that needs Wi-Fi. Um, I, uh, we were cleaning yesterday, and I accidentally turned off a switch that was connected to uh, my my router, my Wi-Fi router. <gasps> and I couldn't turn my lights on and off. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know, right? And uh, then we couldn't turn the lights on and off. So that was quite funny. Wi-Fi is the foundation for all of this stuff. Our homes Mm -hmm. seem to be connected now for them to work. But Wi-Fi can be inconsistent, slow, and unresponsive. Basically, it's a little bit broken. And to get the best possible connection in our homes today, you need a distributed system that can give you a connection all over the house. This has either been super expensive to do, tricky, or kind of a little bit awkward in the past. This is what Eero is all about. Eero lets you install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. And this isn't just like an extender. 
Each Eero has two radios inside. It keeps your connection fast and everything in sync, and this is the best part, all on one network name. So you can have these devices all over your home, but it's not all different networks that your phone has to be constantly switching between, like you go upstairs and you drop connection because you're trying to move from one to the other. It's not that. That's not how the Eeros work. Everything is on one network. You simply download the Eero app on your iOS or Android devices. It walks you through the setup process, and then you will have access to this great little app which gives you parental controls and all of that stuff. And that's how you update the firmware of your Eros. Everything is done for their lovely app. You can manage your network from the palm of your hand. You'll know how many devices are connected, which is really useful to know, as well as the internet speed as well that you're getting from your service provider. The average house in the U.S. is easily covered by two or three Eros. They sell them in packs, so a three-pack is a good starting point, and you can return any of them. So if you if you buy a three-pack and you only need two, you can always return your Eros. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee. And if you live in a large space, you can get a ton of them. You can add up to 10 in total if you want. Eero is the original whole-home Wi-Fi system, and they're just celebrating their first birthday. So to celebrate... Eero is permanently lowering the price. So now you can get an Eero 3-pack for $399, which is $100 off, or a 2-pack for $299, which is $50 off the original price. And to get this, all you need to do is go to Eero.com or Best Buy or Amazon. Same price everywhere. So we're not doing codes of Eero anymore because they want to give you the same price from wherever you want to get it. So you can go to Eero.com, Best Buy, or Amazon to get Eero at its new lower price. Thank you so much to Eero for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Ask upgrade time. Pew, pew. Matthew wants wow. to know. I know. I <laughs> really scary. gave it some today. What 5K app is Jason using? You mentioned last week that you were used doing 5K training again. I'm running again, yeah. Um, I'm using an app called Run 5K, which is, there are two of them. It's the one with the dark icon. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's okay. It it uh, I used to use Couch to 5K, which is good because it's got like some pre-recorded audio, whereas this is using text-to-speech, so it's like the Siri voice is telling you to run. So it's like, run now. <laughs> It's okay. Like, yeah, I hate that. Just I hate that. But uh, but the the thing I like about it is it is a pre-programmed um course basically of like day one you do this or or the three you run three days a week uh and it's like week one day two week one day three and you just say I'm doing this now and it tells you warm up for five minutes and then it says okay now run and then it says now walk now run and you just do it and it great it gradually raises uh up your your running ability so i've done this a couple of times before mm-hmm. and then the winter comes and i stop running and it's like I'm a nice back apple watch it. app as well the apple watch app is way better i i um it's now using as far as i can tell it's using the watch os 3 stuff that lets it stay forward the one of the problems with a lot of these apple watch apps on these things were it wouldn't stick around yeah um or you had to change the settings to make it stick around and in watch os 3 they added the ability for fitness apps to stay in the foreground when they're when they're active yeah it looks like from the screenshots it's also pulling the heart rate information which i think is an os3 thing as well yeah so i can i can um i can while i'm running i can flip open you know my wrist like i've i've flipped the apple watch over while i'm running and look at it and it's showing me how how basically that's the oh god how much longer do i have to keep doing this 
or oh god how much longer do i uh have until i have to start running again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's uh, very useful to have that because i don't have to pull my phone out of my pocket to do that and um and it'll just uh and it gives me audio cues over my music or podcast that i listen to when i'm running so yeah it's, it's uh it's not the best app in the world but i tried a bunch of them and this is the one that i've settled on so i really like the way the ui looks it looks very nice and clean i don't like the look of the icon though yeah, it's not great. I, it syncs with HealthKit too, which is nice. So all of yep. my exercises actually show up in the fitness app and stuff, which is which is cool. That's what I want. I want to get you know credit for this everywhere. Yeah, no doubt. You're gonna do it. You want it, you want it everywhere, all over the place. Exercise. Yep. You want you want all that. You want to close those rings. Damn right. All right. So next up, uh, we have from uh, I'm gonna say Nantlis. Nantlis. N a n t l y s. Just read Jason's AirPods Simplicity article. Do you think a spinning base, so the little metal part on the uh, the bottom of the AirPods, could be a way to include volume control? Yeah, um, it adds complexity to the design, and so that's the question. I'm sure Apple considered something like that. I wrote a piece for for MacWorld about how mm-hmm. I. The AirPods show the value of simplicity of Apple's design, but also how it can be frustrating. And, you know, you can add complications, but be careful what you ask for because um, somebody, I think, uh, Neil Seibert tweeted out like the instruction manual for the for the uh, Broggy Dash. And it's like, you know, tap twice to do this, tap three times. Yeah, I have a problem with the criticism of that, like. How many of those features are built into a multitude of clicks on the clicker of the uh, iPhone headset? I would say that like a vast majority of those are built into no, some applications. Um, no, because you have a lot of like uh, it's actually having you do clicks to move modes and stuff like from from the the this fitness mode to this fitness mode and like over yeah, here on the left you do this all, and though. on the right you do that well you don't have to but my point was that once you go past the simplicity of a couple of clicks you are opening the door to miss clicks misunderstandings by tri- you know you clicked yeah. three times but it only went mm-hmm. twice or you you know you you only you wanted to do two clicks but it only registered once it adds the more complexity it adds it adds more power but it also adds more complexity and that can be not as good and i i you know again i'm not saying like it's not unreasonable that it looks like that but it does show you that the ramp up to explain to somebody how they use their headphones is more when you add stuff like that and you risk misunderstanding it so um that makes sense it's it's like you know hey i wrote in my review that i wish that it did triple click or had different commands for the left and the right but i also appreciate the fact that everything you do that does that you're you're adding the potential for users to misunderstand them or you're hiding those features away and turning them off by default in which case why did we do all that work to have them be turned off by default and siri has its issues too don't get me started but um but this is an interesting idea. I thought about that for, a, you know, could you put something that's touch sensitive in there or could you put something that's a physical moving something like the, uh, you know, like the the Apple Watch has the, uh, you know, little spinning crown and do something where you could just grab the tip of the of the AirPod and, and turn it a little bit to adjust the volume. And that would be great. I hope Apple is considering simple gestures that would allow you to do stuff that you probably don't want to go to another device to do, like adjusting the volume to make it a little quieter or a little louder. Could you do that through some simple gesture? And a a spin gesture, whether it was a real spinning base or whether it was just kind of a touch-sensitive area that you feel like you're turning 
a, a volume knob, even though you're not, either way could be a great user uh, interface interaction that would make a lot more sense than how can we stack in a bunch of different button tap sequences in order to increase the volume because I don't think that would be good at all. Sam asked, is it possible to connect a webcam to an iOS device and be able to view or record the video? I don't think so. I don't think so. I've never come across this. I've never come across it, Sam. I'm afraid I don't think you can do that. The the, the answer is you buy a Wi-Fi webcam and it's attached to a cloud service. Yep. And you do it that way. But like mm-hmm. to directly connect to an iOS device um, and view and record video, I don't think this is something that, that you can do. Uh, I, I would say just going back one question on the AirPods thing, because I just thought, you know, like having that little spinny bass, I think the problem would be I would be like flicking it out of my ears all the time. Like I'd be t- could, going to turn it up and like just knock it straight out of my ear. Could be, but I mean, I I have to reach up there and double tap on it to invoke Siri or to play and pause. Yeah, but tapping is like you're forcing it into the ear. If you're twisting it, you're you're making a motion onto a part with like a where the center of gravity might go off. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of that, but that's why we uh you know if we're if we're Apple product designers, that's why we product Prototype, test that, right? Yep. Yeah. Rodrigo asked, do either of you use the Logic Remote app on your iPhone or iPad when editing? No. I forget this no. thing exists all the time and I'm fine without it. It strikes me as being something that is built for music producers yeah. who want to have that remote to slide their little uh, you know, volumes up and down as they're listening to a mix mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. It seems to me the stuff that's on it is not stuff that I find valuable at all. Yeah, it's not really like the touch bar or anything, you know, where like there could yeah. be little shortcuts there or stuff. I don't think I've it's tried like it a few times. It's possible that it could do something that I would use, but it, it at this point it does not do anything that I could use to be more efficient at editing podcasts. Unfortunately, and it's not for us, right? I mean, yeah. I think it really is built built for a very specific professional music producer audience. Kevin asked, how many caffeinated beverages do you have a day? Oh, um, well, I have a, I have a cup or two of tea and often a can of soda. I'm trying to reduce my caffeine intake, but it, uh, it is also a very helpful thing for me. So I, uh, but something like that, it's. It's we make a pot of tea in the morning, which makes essentially like two small cups of tea for me, and then I will usually have a soda either with lunch or in the afternoon, and that's about it. How about you, uh, Kathy wants to know what kind of tea. I'll just uh, English breakfast, Irish English breakfast, breakfast, just black, black caffeinated tea. Uh, I have one or sometimes two, not every day, two cups of coffee a day. That's all I have, caffeine wise. Mm-hmm. That tends to be. I don't drink soda very much. I enjoy it, but just don't drink it very much. Um, like not on like a daily basis. I used to, but not anymore. Uh, but yeah, I'll have I have at least one cup of coffee in the morning, and then sometimes one in the afternoon before I start recording shows. I have had two coffees today, for example. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I've so. had two small cups of tea. And finally today, Brent. Uh, wrote in and said, "I have now listened to Upgrade, ATP, Cortex, and Hello Internet twice." What should I re-listen to when I'm all caught up on my shows? So, 
Uh, two wow. just very simple suggestions, Brent. Just go to relay.fm slash shows or the incomparable.com slash shows. And there are lots of shows there that you can pick from. Um, and considering to the shows that you already listened to, Brent, I think there will be, uh, they're all good shows, Brent. And uh, I think that there'll be. <laughs> Reference acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, be seeing that he listens you. to ATP and Cortex, I immediately think that he should probably listen to Reconcilable Differences. Yep. Yep. I think so. I think that's a good, um, that's a good show. You know, yeah, the, the, all the great shows. Is the answer relay and incomparable have shows? It depends on what what uh, strikes your fancy. I I keep hearing from people who have been listening to Total Party Kill, which is our D and D podcast, because they think it's fun and they they will re listen to it, uh, which blows me away because I, you know, I participated and then edited some of the episodes and have not listened since. But people go back and listen to those again, and I'll put in a plug for the Incomparable Game Show because it is incredibly fun. And uh, there's some episodes there that you can listen to. It's not a huge back catalog, but it's okay. And uh, yeah, so those are mine. What do you have? I will make one specific recommendation to a show that I have just come across, which is a very popular show and is like 347 episodes in. And I knew it existed, but never listened to it. But I started listening to it and I love it. And it's my brother, my brother and me. Mm. And it's the McElroy brothers who you may know from Polygon or from the Adventure Zone or a million other podcasts. They just like... Made a t like a t a web TV show on CISO, um, which is my brother and my brother and me turned to TV. Um, I have enjoyed their work on their video stuff that they've been pulling on for a while. I'm a big fan of like uh, I'm a big fan of Carboys and Monster Factory and Touch the Skyrim and all of the silly fun video game related stuff that they make. So I decided to check out my brother, my brother and me, and I am already hooked on it. And I'm going. I'm doing like what I did for the Flop House, and I listened to one episode. Then I went back and listened to a bunch. Now I'm going back further and listening through. So um, I'm I'm enjoying that a lot. So I recommend my brother, my brother, and me. That is, I'm going to say right now, Jason. If we're just, it's going to be my early pick, I think for uh, podcast podcast of the year. Podcast of the year, yeah. It's oh, my nice. early pick for Upgrady. Uh, well, you've made Brian Hamilton very happy because he loves that podcast. I, I mentioned I, I mentioned this show on Analog, and uh, I've had a few people already today tell me how excited they are that I listen to this show as well. Yeah. It's funny. I, lo- I love it when that sort of stuff happens, but I feel it too. Like when you somebody that you listen to says that they listen to a show, another show that you like, you're like, oh, crossing the street. So I'm I'm listening to the Adventure Zone a little bit now, um, and that that's sort of my that's going to be my entry into McElroy. Like yeah, I think if you're enjoying i i i expect i will move to the adventure zone soon i reckon if you enjoy that you'd probably enjoy my brother my brother and me because the mcelroy comedy is the same everywhere right like they they have a a style of comedy which if you enjoy you will probably enjoy anything that they do um and i think it all comes from my brother my brother and me because i think that's the thing that they've been doing together for the longest they're like as i said they're 347 episodes in it's a very long running show um so i expect that a lot of it came from from that so uh, i reckon if you like it if you like the, if you like the adventure zone you'll probably quite enjoy uh enjoy that one too so give it give it okay. a, give it a go give it a go all right, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. Uh, if you want to send in questions for me and Jason to answer on the show, uh, send them in with a hashtag AskUpgrade. I feel like I need some kind of better system to request questions for the beginning and how they will be differentiated, but I will work that out later. Just tweet them to me, 
Um, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. For a question, you would like me to ask Jason to begin the show. And then once I've got a sense of if that's going to be a thing, maybe I'll work out a secondary hashtag for that. Who knows, <laughs> Jason Snell. Uh, but if you ask a question that I want to ask him, you'll be credited in the beginning of the show as asking the question. So go ahead and, and send those to me over Twitter. Um, indicate to me that it's some kind of question for Jason. I don't know how you do this. It's up to you, Upgradians, to help me shape this as a thing. Um, you can find Jason online at theincomparable.com and sixcolors.com, and he is at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. Of course, Jason hosts, as well as this show, uh, a fine selection of shows at Relay FM, including Clockwise, Free Agents, and Liftoff. I got them all, right? I think so. I think so. Who knows? All the great shows. Uh, thanks to our sponsors this week, Eero, FreshBooks, and Encapsula. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. It's still cloudy here, Mike.